I have a new grasshopper, apparently. <laughs> I found this locust solidarious and brought him to church and hope that he will become a locust gregarious by being here and rubbing shoulders such as the rest of us locusts. I'm, I'm praying to that end. We hope that will happen. I love this. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Whew, okay. Did you feel the worship? Uh, I hope that you did. I could get like every other line out, and then I had to stop and kind of catch myself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, let's just let's start with prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, powerful, living, awesome, righteous, potent, wonderful God. For you to just, for you, you know, God, for you to come down to us from all of your eternal dwelling place and the perfection of where you live, for you to come down like an arrow into this chaos, into our chaos. Lord, for you to just be here with us like you are this morning, we sense your presence and we know your reality and we know you're here. For you to allow us to rub shoulders, for you to allow us to get that spiritual serotonin, for you to allow us to grow in you like this by being here with us so very present. We feel you thankful that you're here. Ask God that anyone who is not understanding that presence that you bring, the peace that passes understanding, the joy that overrides our circumstances, anyone not understanding the salvation that brings eternal life in you, Jesus, and in the blood you shed on the cross, would understand it by the end of this service. Just ask God that you move with power, that you move with power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. My great hope is that I don't frustrate Brian beyond reason with all of my slide moving around and uh, <laughs> changes in speed and tempo. <laughs> I'm going to read the scripture first. The scripture that we're hitting today, I was struck with in our journeys group. And if you are not a part of the journeys group, I cannot strongly encourage you enough to be to you know ask ask me ask someone here. The journeys group are um, it, it, it's it's an opportunity to get together with men or women, whichever uh, group is is your group, and then just move on in the Lord. Learn how to abide in Christ. Learn how to self feed. Learn how to go after that scripture in a regular, repetitive manner. Learn how to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's an awesome opportunity. Very, very revealing to yourself as you go through, like, hmm, there's some weaknesses. There's some strengths. Praise God. Ooh, more weaknesses. <laughs> as the word always does, uh, challenges who we are. That, but we, we hit the psalm, and I have not been able to shake it. Dave White called it his favorite, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't know, right? Am I right? Oh, gosh, I see why. I've been stuck on it. I can't get off it. We'll probably be going over this over the next two or maybe probably three weeks. Listen to it. I'm just going to read it straight through first. God. I'm trying to just, whatever. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm probably going to fall apart up here. I'm trying not to. The Holy Spirit got me so much in having my friend here like that. Thank you, Jesus. God, do your miracle. 
Psalm 139.1 says, You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. That, okay, that's good and bad. But truly, it's good. It means that a God that knows every wrong thing you've ever done and all the sin that you've participated in looks right past it to you and adores you. That's everything and adores us. But he also knows everything. So know that. <laughs> Take your heart and your mind and your spirit and your life to the living God. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The hand that we said he laid on us, that the scripture said he lays his hand on us, he'll use it to hold you fast. Trusting in the rock. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Very depression oriented. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, which is a big part of today's message. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. I saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Yeah, amen. Wow. That is part two, or really the most significant part of today's message. Listen to it one more time, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. That's beautiful too. Listen. A lot of people on this planet, they wake up and that person that they loved isn't there anymore. They, they've left. They, they didn't consider it worthy to be there anymore. They, they wake up or they come to a place where the, the, someone they really care about isn't there. And, and, and this says, when I awake... I'm still with you. That is this eternity that we're promised. He won't get tired of you. He won't, it won't grow old. He won't kick you out of heaven. You can't lose the salvation that you've gotten in Jesus Christ. Once you've gotten it, you can't lose it. He won't leave you. 
If only you, God, slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I've got nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the same David that says, Shatter their teeth, Lord. This is that guy. He's a warrior. But you're reading this, and it's so touching, and all of a sudden, he loses his temper. <laughs> it just goes off. But look what he follows it with. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So he recognizes, as David always does, I am a sinner but I'm saved by your grace. And he starts to kind of go off. Oh, I hate them. I hate these guys. I got nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. <laughs> Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my... You ever had that kind of prayer? <laughs> you ever had that? Where you're just going off and you're like, wait, 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 bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. <sighs> bring me back, God, okay. You know, bless my enemy, Lord. Help me love my enemy. So, you know, and we all have those. Listen, I have a video to show you. Kind of like the grasshopper video. Short, a few minutes. It's a brain games video. It is very relevant for where we're going about, about the words in a book about us that were already written before we started, like it says in the Scriptures. So just, you're not going to get it. Matter of fact, the video is going to annoy you. I promise you in advance, this will bother you. Okay? But in a fun way. <laughs> Go ahead and play that. I'll just sit to the side for a second. section of the image. If you're having trouble seeing it, we'll help you out. Crazy, right? Take a look at this object. One glance and you know what it is. But how do you know what it is and where it's positioned in space? Well, let's break it down. The light reflected by this object is converted by your eyes into an electrical signal and is sent down a neurological pathway called the optic nerve to the back of your brain. Starting in this region, called the visual cortex, the image is cross-referenced with memory of past experiences stored throughout your brain as you try to identify the object. Once it's figured out what it is, your brain has to decide how the object is positioned in space, and one of its most reliable tools is to use shadows. Here's another illusion to show you how that works. Take a look at that basketball again. 
we're going to put it on the court and move it along a diagonal. Now we're going to add a shadow. It's still moving in the same way, right? Okay, so what if we change the position of the shadow? Do you think we can trick your brain into seeing the ball's motion differently? taking off now? Let's tweak the shadow one more time. What's the ball doing now? Looks like it's bouncing, right? In a world with a single light source, your brain has learned to trust shadows as a near foolproof way to know the behavior of objects in space. And in general, it's worked. Until now. Behind me, there are two shadows that both appear gray because we have two white lights that are facing me. Now, if we replace with a purple filter, let's see what happens to the colors you see. The shadow no longer looks gray. It looks green. So the question is, where is that green light coming from? Well, there is no green light. The shadow's gray, but it looks green. Why? Because of the color that's surrounding it. Context is everything. Let's start with this illusion. Stare at the X in the middle of the image. Do you see the green dot moving around in a circle? Now try to follow that green dot with your eyes. Nothing there, right? This illusion helps demonstrate how quickly your brain finds motion in your surroundings. Want to see how it does this? As you watch the X, neurons throughout your visual cortex compare the image you're looking at from one moment to the next. Specific neurons track the changing position of objects between the images, allowing you to comprehend them as moving through space. In the moving circle test, the missing dot here leaves an after image. As this after image shifts position, your brain sees a pattern that it decides is motion, and it stitches together the frames to see a moving green dot. Cool, right? What do coming next? Subscribe and like. That was Satan. Pay no attention to that last part. He's trying to distract you. Uh, who, who, who did that bother? Like it was like irritating that you couldn't figure it out. Who saw the two, the gray and the light gray, dark gray, light gray, and then was like, what? No. I mean, who, who even put their finger up? To, okay, good. Because I saw some people not doing that. Like, play along. Do the thing, you know. But then he did it for you. Uh, do, you hear the, do you hear the line, in, in a world with one light source? I loved that line. In a world with one light source, we've learned to see things a certain way. The body of Christ has to learn to do this. In a world with one light source, Jesus is light. He's the, he's the light of the world. He, God is light. He's, he's not only light, but he is light. And that defines part of uh, his character and who he is. And, and in him, even the scripture we read said, even if there was darkness, when you invade it, it's not dark to you. Even when I have darkness in my life and I'm very, very broken and something's completely wrong and I'm super depressed, it's not that way to you. You come in and bring light. 
So I want to I want to take you somewhere else in the scripture that I think is wild because this matches the place where you see okay uh, we we read that part that says most of the message and it's right um, here. Uh, in, in verse 16, when it said, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So where we're going to go is, first is Revelations. I want to go Revelations. Hopefully I'm not screwing Brian up. I think this is the order I gave him. Uh, it is. Yay. Okay, I was just double checking. So Revelations 20. And I'll get there as soon as my Bible app catches up. And that will be any moment now. Stop. Okay. So, Revelations 20. Watch this. I think this is wild and wonderful. The first part won't feel wonderful to you. Revelations 20.11 says, Then I saw a great throne in him who was seated on it. This is the end of the book. This is things coming to the, the new heaven, the new earth. This is, this is God coming and kind of reestablishing everything. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence. And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small, great and small, standing before the throne. And books, books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. The, and, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And you and me, he's got a book. And we're written in that or not. And that's wild because what that means is John, the apostle John, was sitting in heaven getting a vision from God. And he sees the book. There's names in the book. They're already there. I was stunned when I was reading this, and I thought of this on Wednesday. I, well, I didn't think of anything. God laid this out for me. John is seeing the book. If, 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 if it zoomed in, and you'd see names. If you flip through it, you'd find yours in one of the books. It's going to be there. And, in, and if it was in the book of life, you have eternal life. You're made with God ingredients. You, you don't die. What's, what's really you will keep living on. Because God does. So you keep reading. Revelations 21. Then I saw an, uh, one. Revelations 21, one. And I'm going to read through it for a little minute. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And for the first time, uh, and for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he'll dwell with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. 
And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I'll be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they'll be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That is the second death. A little bit further down. One of the seven angels who had seven bowls uh, full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. Its brilliance was like that of very precious jewels, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the 12 names of the 12 tribes of Israel. He's seeing this play out as it happens. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three on the south, three on the west. And this is it. Listen to this. Listen to this. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Who's writing this? One of them. So as this city, the bride of Christ in the city of the New Jerusalem is descending, he's seeing that first, really. He writes about it last, but the first thing he's seeing are the 12 foundations. Bump, 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 John. If that doesn't give you chills, so, you know, that's amazing. He sees that he's part of the firmament of heaven. He sees it. God allows him to see it. Here's the names of the 12 apostles with Jesus Christ, the foundations on which this is built, and it's coming down, and he sees it like a sandwich, and he's part of the meat. He's in there. How wild would that be to get this vision, and you're saying, I see Doug Dodge. Oh! I just wanted to be in the book of life. You know, but part of the foundation. But see, that's how this amazing God is. He puts our names in this book and then makes you eternal part of the firmament of heaven. You will reign with Christ. You will be made like Christ. You won't have fear. You won't have depression. You won't have death. You will be made to reign with Christ. That's crazy. That's our promise, believers. That's our promise. That's why we don't walk out of here trudging out thinking about work tomorrow. Because, or maybe today, maybe you work on Sunday, you heathen. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, I'm working right now. Uh, so, listen, it's so real that we have this promise. I'm, uh, this isn't like a joke. It's not fake. I don't stand up here because I think this might be. I stand here because I know it is. And the Word of God has proven it to me. But see, this bothers some people because they'll look at that and they just see things black and white or dark gray and light gray, and they're going to say, well, see, this means one thing then. It means that that whole Calvinistic thing is true. Some people are going to get picked and some people aren't. Some will make it into heaven, some won't, and God knew, uh, he already wrote them down in the book. So some get there and some don't. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. A word from God. 
because Esau forsook his birthright to be in the kingdom and sold it for a single meal. But so did Adam and Eve. And so did you and I. So under that criteria, none of us make it. By the way, there were several things in that list of things in Revelations that would have precluded me from getting into the kingdom. So there's got to be something else. It can't just be, okay, well, the liars don't make it. Well, dang, I'm already out. The list just started. You know, I thought it was going to be, I had to do something kind of worse. But sin is sin to God. It's dark and light, and sin is sin, and, and sin keeps you out of heaven. Unless you've been painted by the blood of Christ, the, the sacrifice for your sins that is the access ticket, the all-access ticket. It's the lanyard that you wear at the concert. You go talk to the band. It's all-access media. Go right into the Oval Office. That's not as attractive as it used to be, but, you know, like, like going somewhere where you, where you wouldn't normally be allowed to go because you got to, we walk around heaven like that. Yeah. We walk around on this planet like that. If you start to understand who he is. Okay. Yeah. This is, yeah, it's my next slide. Good, I'm on it. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing anything bad to you, media people, not yet. Okay, so Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. So if God starts moving us around, we've got to go with him, you know. Uh, this chapter bugs a lot of people. If you thought that video was irritating you, this chapter bothers people because of how it seems to lay things out. But don't just look at it with black and white. Look at it with our one light source. We know that God is love. The scripture tells us that. We know that God wants all men to be saved. The scripture tells us that in Thessalonians. So we know it's true. So if that's true, how could he just make some to go die and go to hell forever and some to go to heaven forever? How could he just make them like that? Because it doesn't, Les. And we're about to talk about that right now. But this scripture would look like he does. And so watch. Watch this. Because it's so easy to get confused. And I want to make sure that we see it and understand it. So we're in Romans 9, chapter 9, verse 10. And it starts like this. It starts like not only that, so you kind of want to read before that. It's like when it says therefore and you start there. But we are going to start there. Not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger. And then it's written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. What then should we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. He says to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Is that hard for you to hear? Of course it is. Of course it is, Christian. That's hard to understand because we're told to love our enemies and we're told that God is love and this doesn't seem to line up. 
when you find something that doesn't seem to line up with God, well, usually it's because we're messed up. And so we don't line up with God, and we have to bend ourselves to it. But other times it is because we're not giving God his clear due through the rest of the Scripture. We're taking things out of context, or we're just assuming that he thinks like we do. So just watch a little further, because I know that some of you are like, man, that's bugging me. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who's able to resist his will? But who are you, human being, to talk back to God? Okay, there is that. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why would you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did that to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Even us! whom he also called, not also from the Jews, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. And then he says to Hosea, through Hosea, I'll call them my people who are not my people. I'll call her my loved one who's not my loved one. And in the very place where it was said to them, you're not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. All right, so understand what this is saying. It's so important to understand what this is saying. And there's a reason I showed you that video. If you're not catching it yet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to light it up now. The reason that you saw that video and you look, okay, clearly dark, clearly light. What? They're the same color. I want you to see something. If you go back up and you look at what he said, you look at how this reads. Verse 21, does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? Before I knew Jesus and invited him into my life and changed my eternity, before I was an object of wrath, and Scripture is clear about that, an enemy of God, and an object of wrath, destined for hell. But then I recognized that I was a sinner, and I begged Jesus, come into my life. I need you. I need what you have. And I made a contract with him by just inviting him in, by just accepting the deal. Why would you not accept the deal? It's so maddening when you try to help someone, and they won't let you help them. He's trying to help. Oh, God's so angry. God's so mean. He's so vicious. He made people go to hell. No, he didn't. He came down and died on a cross for your sins. Of course he didn't want you to go to hell. Of course he didn't. He sacrificed himself in your stead, took your wrath instead of you. And so that means when he makes uh, out of the same lump of clay some things for special purpose but some just destined for the pit, I'm that lump of clay. I'm the lump of clay. I was destined for hell. Jesus invaded it with his light, the single light source of this planet. I accepted it and said, oh, Jesus, thank you. I get it. How was I not seeing you sooner? Praise you, God, for calling me in your kingdom. And then I was destined for heaven, eternal life. I'm going to reign with Christ. I'm the lump of clay. I'm both. I was an object of wrath, 
made for hell, and then I accepted Christ, and now I'm an object of heaven, made for eternal life. The difference is, the reason the book was already written is because God has this panoramic vision where he can look all the way down through history, and he's already shown John 2,000 years ago whose names are in the book because he knew, not because he made it that way, because he knew. He knew who would choose him. He knew who wouldn't choose him. He already knew. That's how he can say at birth, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Because that one didn't choose me and that one did. But I died for them both. That's the difference. So the clay looks, this, it looks completely different to us. Oh, yeah, it's just, it's just it's only two ways. Some are going to go to hell from the beginning. They were made for that. Some are going to go to heaven. They were made for that. Just kind of waiting for God to show up, and he, 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 he saves that one because he was going to save that one all along, but he was going to let that one die and go to hell. No! Jesus died on the cross for everyone. And everyone has that opportunity to accept him into their heart and change eternity. Everyone. Same. Doesn't he have the right to do what he wants with the lump of clay? Yes. Can it go either way? Yes. Is that his fault? No. You cannot exist in heaven. You cannot be standing on the presence of the sun without burning up. You can't stand in God's holy presence without it evaporating you instantly unless you have the filter of Jesus Christ all over you and living in you and on top of you and behind you and hemming you in like the Scripture just said. It must be there for you to be there. But if it is, he sees you just like he sees Jesus. His son, one with him, reigning with him. Amen? Awesome. But I got one more piece. Last thing, and then we're going to do a baptism. We're not done baptizing people. We're just getting started. I might as well. Maybe we, if I didn't know how expensive in-ground pools were, I'd put one in over here. But right now, Kelly, I'm sorry. You just got to keep putting that thing together. But we need it. We need it. All right. So, so here's the last one. It's Ephesians 2. If, if none of this has been clear yet, just listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2 is so, so, so awesome. It talks about me, the lump of clay that was on both ends and, and ended well. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan himself, the spirit who's now at work and those who are disobedient. He was in work in me an enemy of Christ. All of us also lived among them at one time. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. We were the darker part of the two picture. But it's the same lump of clay. All of us. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You hear it? I had it coming. I'm not alone. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, faith in him. And this isn't from yourselves. 
It's a gift of God. It's not by works. We can't boast. We're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which, and there it is again, God prepared in advance for us to do because he can look down the road. He knows what gifts you have and what things you're capable of, and he wants to get you involved in them. For some of you here, it's kids' ministry. Let's get on the pr program, people. For, for some of you, it's First Impressions team. For some of you, it's going to be something we haven't even thought of yet that's going to reach the needs of what's around us because you see something that we don't see, that I don't see. Because of your sphere of influence, things are going to change because you are part of the light of Christ that's going to light up the world around you. We keep opening up the word. You keep being, feed yourself with this word. It changes everything. Did you hear in Romans 9 when it said it does not therefore depend on human effort but on God's mercy? That mirrors that. Just, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, we're going to do a baptism because people have made that commitment to you. And this, and this whole process is just simply, okay, uh, like the, like the Ethiopian who starts to find out about Christ as Philip runs up alongside his chariot and jumps up and starts to tell him about what he's reading in the Scriptures. And the guy says, what's to stop me from being baptized? If I've just accepted Christ, what's to stop me? He's like, nothing, let's do it. And they find water and he just gets in the water. It's just simply a response to the thankfulness of accepting Christ. And it's like, it's like you died and were reborn as a new creation in Christ. Your destiny was headed in one direction from the same lump of clay. God turned that into heaven bound. That's what that baptism is, just a symbol in a public place to say to everybody, you know what, I made that decision. I'm not afraid to tell everybody I love Jesus Christ and I have a new creation in him. And so, Lord, we've got two, two people who made that decision that want to do this today. We may have more, and we have no issue with that. So you, Lord, keep moving on people's hearts. There might be people who heard this message, and they're like, I don't know this, Jesus, but I want in. I want to change my destiny. And I pray, Jesus, that they would come talk to me, come talk to someone here, talk to anybody in a black shirt that says Centerpoint, talk to anybody here that they say, come up and pray uh, for Mark. Just, just get an access point. And simply, most importantly, Lord Jesus, just talk to you. Just say, Jesus, I get it. Okay, I, I was destined for hell. So would you invite me in? Actually, do that real quick. If it's in your heart and you're like, you know what, I'm hearing this, but I didn't understand it, but I do now. And I want to invite Jesus in. It's just so simply. Just, you, just, you just simply just say it in your own words. Don't try to, I'm not going to give you some formula. That's foolish. There was no formula. The formula is this, Jesus died on a cross for our sins. And we just, by his grace, not our works, by his grace, we invite him in. So just while we're praying, Lord, and we're in a, in, a, in a prayerful mode, your spirit being here, would you just move on anybody's hearts to make that prayer right now? It's so simple. And if you, if you need some kind of a format, it's just saying, Lord Jesus, I get it. I get it. I was going in the wrong direction. I haven't been listening to you. And that, that list that was in Revelation, some of those things, maybe the sexual immorality, the lying, the deceit, the idolatry, worshiping something else other than you, maybe it was money, maybe it was anything, that's in my life and I don't want to go to hell. And much more importantly, I want to live. I just want to live. I want to I know you. 
I want to know what this is about in the name of Jesus. Would you invite me in? This world's too hard for me. That's just a simple plan. You pray in your own way. Pray in your own way and invite him into your heart. Lord Jesus, just come in. Please show me who you are. I, I invite you in to live with you. I want to live with you forever.